Look with me in the book of Second Samuel, chapter 23. I just want to rejoice over this morning. Uh, boy, what a powerful service. Uh, the Lord just showed up and showed out. And uh, I told Miss Barbara, I said, I'm not bragging on you, but I'm bragging on Jesus through you. And God used her in a mighty way this morning. And uh, when it was all said and done, little 13-year-old boy, uh, is it Tyler? Uh, Tyler Graham uh, came to me in the back and said, Preacher, I need to be saved. He knelt down back there and he asked Jesus to save his soul. And uh, boy, what a precious thing to see God is still in the saving business, to see the gospel message still works. It still works. It still saves souls. It's still powerful today as it was 2,000 years ago. And I'm glad that God allows us to witness His power. Allows us to see how great He is. Second Samuel chapter 23. Second Samuel chapter 23. The very end of this chapter, there's 37 in all that is mentioned of the mighty men of David. I want to look in the very last verse. The very last name that was mentioned in the mighty men was Uriah the Hittite. Uriah the Hittite. Now if you would look in 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. You've heard this story before. But this is probably going to be a little different message than you've ever heard. I do not want to preach on King David tonight. I do not want to preach on Bathsheba. But I want to preach on Uriah the Hittite. Uriah the Hittite. He's not one that is normally mentioned, but of all that is mentioned in this story, he probably has a greater stand for faith and love for the Lord than any of these characters in this story that we're going to read this evening. What a man of honor. What a man of love. What a man of fear. Man, I wish that I carried myself the way this man did. I wish that I handled my affairs and the things of my life the way he did. I I pray and wish that I had the kind of loyalty for my God and my King that this man had. Oh man, I wish I had the love for the Lord like he did. I want you to know this was a great man that faced a lot of opposition. But I want you to notice how he lived for the Lord through all of these things. Second Samuel 11 verse 1 And it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in the evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived, and sent and told David, and said, I am with child. David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David to clear this up. David is fixing to try to cover up his sin, is what he's fixing to do. And it said in verse 7, And when Uriah was come unto him, David demanded of him how Joab did and how the people did and how the war prospered. 
And David said to Uriah, Go down to thy house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house, and there followed him a mess of meat from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord, and went not down to his house. And when they had told David, saying, Uriah went not down unto his house, David said unto Uriah, Camest thou not from thy journey? And went, why didn't this thou not go down unto thy house? Uriah said unto David, The ark in Israel and Judah abide in tents. And my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open field. Shall I then go and to my house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife as thou livest and as thy soul liveth, I will not do this thing. And David said to Uriah, Terry, here today also and tomorrow I will, t- I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day in the morrow. And when David had called him, he did eat and drink before him, and he made him drunk. And at even he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord, but went not down to his house. Boy, that's loyalty, isn't it? Went not down to his house. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle, and retire ye from him that he may be smitten and die. And it came to pass when Joab observed the city that he assigned Uriah unto a place where he knew that valiant men were. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab, and there fell some of the people of the servants of David, and Uriah the Hittite died also. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the reading of your word. Bless your word tonight. Bless this message. Bless, bless your word, Lord. Lord, your word is mighty and powerful. And I pray that we would apply this to our heart and life tonight. Give me the power that I need. Give me the liberty that I need to preach this message. Lord, I love you. And I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to ask a question, and this is the title, the message this evening. Does it really matter if I live for God? Does it really matter if I live for God? And I'm going to answer that for you very simply. Yes, it matters if we live for God. But oftentimes we ask ourselves that question. If things around us go wrong, we ask, is it worth continuing to live for God? When people around us do us wrong, when bad things around us happen, when evil is happening to us, and a lot of these things are unfair, a lot of these things are what we call undeserving to us, and a lot of these things happen to us, and these things come upon us to tempt us, to draw us away from the Lord, to get us to quit serving God, to get us to lose our temper, to get us to not act like a child of God. Friend, does it matter if we live for the God in the midst of adversity? The answer is yes. Does it matter if I live for God if everybody around me betrays me? Yes. It matters if I live for the Lord. Friend, if it's just you and God, you live for the Lord. If everybody around you turns their back on you, you live for God. If God is the only friend you have, you keep on living for the Lord. If He is the only one that you have in your life, friend, keep on living for the Lord. 
May I tell you, there may come a day, there may come a time, and there probably already has, that you were tempted, that you were tried. And friend, you understand tonight that it matters if we serve God or not. It matters if we lose our temper and lose our witness and our testimony. We see here in Second Samuel chapter 11, we find a story about a man by the name of Uriah the Hittite. And we find that this man is in the army for King David. And this man is off to battle and he's fighting for King David. And we see that he's on the battle line and he's faithful to the king and he's out fighting. He's out doing, fulfilling the responsibility that he signed up for, that he was willing to go out and fight for and battle for. And while he's out fighting for the king, that very king betrays him. That very king calls his wife into his chamber and they have relations with one another. And then the story says that Bathsheba ends up pregnant, ends up with child and runs to David and tells him this. So King David said, well, let me bring in Uriah. Let me bring him in and I'll make him to go to your house and lie with you. So when this all comes out, nobody will think anything and we'll try to cover up our sin. We'll try to cover up this. We'll just slide it under, under the rug. Friend, you can't slide sin under the rug. You got to deal with it. And that's exactly what King David tried to do. So he brought this man off the battle line and he brought him in and he said, listen, he said, tell me about the battle. What's going on? And let me tell you something. For Uriah to be called into the king's chamber was a privilege, okay? This was a great privilege that he had. And I can just imagine the excitement he had and the honor that he felt not knowing the whole time that that very king that he loved betrayed him. That very king that he loved and that wife that he loved betrayed him. And the king said, I want you to go home and I want you to be married and I want you to drink and I want you to eat and I want you to go spend time with your wife. But the Bible says that he never went home, that he slept there at the king's palace. And then he called in the next day and he said, why didn't you go home? He said, listen, the Ark of the Covenant is out on the battlefield. The presence of God is out there fighting. The king's men is out fighting. Captain Joab is out on the battlefield. How in the world can I go home and lie with my wife when everything I love is out on the battlefield? He said, there's no honor in that. There's no respect in that. And oh, it stirred King David up. Because King David is trying to hide his sin. King David is trying to clear up this mess. And it didn't happen. And Uriah refused to go into his wife. Did he love his wife? Absolutely. But friend, he was faithful. He was faithful. And you look at the things that he had in his life and you look at the things that he was faithful to. Number one, he was faithful to his wife. He was faithful to his king. He was faithful to his commander. And he was faithful to his God. He remained faithful through all of these things. When everybody else tried to get him to go the other way, he remained faithful. Friend, when the world is trying to get you to do everything else but live for God, you be faithful to the Lord. You be faithful to your family. You be faithful to your commitments. And most of all, you be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. Be faithful. And I want you to know that this man lived a faithful life. But when you look at what happened, he almost looked like a foolish man. His wife cheated on him. The king cheated on him. The king betrayed him. The commander sent him to his death. When King David could not get this 
faithful, loyal man to give in and go to the house, he said, I'll just kill you. Then so he gave him a letter and he said, I want you to go back and give this to Captain Joab. Little did Uriah know that he was carrying his death sentence. And in this letter it said, send Uriah to the hottest part of the battle so that he may lose his life. You know what the king was doing? He said, I don't want to face my sins to kill this man. I don't want to take care of this mess that I done got myself in. So let's just kill this man. And he looked foolish. Everybody around him, man, they treated him like he was trash. They treated him like he wasn't loyal. They treated him like he wasn't good to them. And friend, he was good the whole time. He was faithful the whole time. He was loyal the whole time. And everybody he was faithful to and loyal to turned their back against him, spit in his face, cheated on him behind his back and run him down and sent him to his death sentence at the battle line. I don't know about you, but that would make me want to quit serving God. Man, that's kind of depressing, isn't it? When you are so faithful and so loyal, the people around you stab you in your back. People around you call shame upon your name. Oh, man, that's bad. That's bad. But you know what I'm thankful for? This man continued to live for the Lord. Does it matter that we live for God? And the answer is, yes, it matters. You know why? Because of God's grace. Because of God's grace. Look at the title of his name, Uriah the Hittite. Here is this man that was a Hittite. Do you remember when uh, the nation of Israel was going into Canaan land? Do you remember the command of God? You go in and you kill all of them Ite people. That's what we call them as Baptists. You go in and you kill the Perizzites and the Hittites and all of those Ites. And you go in and you slaughter every Hittite that you find. A Hittite was a Gentile. Okay? It was a Gentile. A Hittite was a group of people that love false gods and they worship idol worship and they, and they worship all these false things. They did not respect the God of heaven. They did not respect the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay? They did not honor Him as the Lord of all. But in the midst of all of this, and Israel did not go in and obey the Lord and did not kill them all, And here we find, years down the road, a man by the name of Uriah the Hittite. There alone do I find the grace of an almighty God. Because God said, go in and kill every Hittite that you find. And now here we find a Hittite that is in love with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Who is in love with the presence of God so much that he wouldn't go home with his wife. He loved the king of Jerusalem and the king of Israel so much that he would not go home and spend time with his family because he loved the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we look at this, and at the end of the day, this man should have never been in Jerusalem. He should have never been serving in the army that he was. And this man should have never been saved because he was a Hittite. May I remind you that we shouldn't be saved today. May I remind you where we come from today. And may I tell you the reason that he was in Jerusalem, the reason that he was in the fight, the reason he was serving King David, the reason he was in love with the presence of God is because of the grace of an almighty God who said, you go in and you kill those Hittites, and they refused to kill them. So you know what God said? God said, I'm going to save some of them. 
And through His grace and through His mercy, He reached out and took a man by the name of Uriah, and He used him in a mighty way. Why was Uriah where he was? Because of the grace of an Almighty God. And you say, oh, he had it bad, friend. He could have been a whole lot worse. He was a Hittite. He should have never been born. God told him to wipe him out. By the grace of God, he was there. By the grace of God, he was saved. By the grace of God, he served. By the grace of God, he loved. By the grace of God, he lived for the Lord. By God's grace. Boy, it's bad, preacher. You don't know what people are doing to me. You don't know how they're treating me. May I remind you where we come from. May I remind you that we don't deserve any of this good that we have. And we have it a whole lot better than we deserve it. I've got it a lot better than I deserve. Anybody else? God's been good. (laughs) Uriah the Hittite in Jerusalem, saved, born again, serving the king. That's God's grace. That's God's grace. Josh Llewellyn, saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I didn't deserve to be saved, but He saved me anyway. And here I am preaching. It ain't me, it's Him. And man, I get in the ministry and people do me wrong sometimes. And oh, and and you face these personalities and you face these battles and you face everything around you and you think, oh, they're bad and oh, it's bad. Oh, it's bad, friend. We deserve it worse. May I remind you the stage in which we stand is a stage of grace. And God has so graciously saved us. When you think it's so bad, remember you got it way better than you deserve. Remember that God has been good. When you're willing and when you're ready to say, you know what, all of this is bad and I'm done and this is sorry and everybody's been horrible to me, you remember how good you got it. You say, well, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to count all the negative things. Hey, I do it all the time. I'm the most negative person you've ever met. Lacey gets so tired of my negativity sometimes because I can look at something and I can point out the negative things of everything that I go through. But if I counted all the negative things that I have in my life and then I count all the blessings, it's a hundredfold, friend. God has been good to me. God has been good to me. God was good to you, right? You say, preacher, it don't look like God was good. His wife cheated on him. He was sent to his death. Friend, God saved him. God saved him. Does it matter that we live for God? Yes, because of grace. Wasn't it Paul that said it was because of God's grace that he was who he was? And he only became that man, and he was only that preacher because God's grace allowed him to be? For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Oh, I want you to know that Uriah had what he had because of the grace of God. It matters because of grace. But number two, it matters because of grief. This man never knew the betrayal of his family. He never knew what the king did. He never knew what Bathsheba did. He never knew. And you say, boy, they lied to him. They cheated him. Bless his heart. If I was him, I would be glad that I never had to go through the grief of knowing that my wife cheated on me. 
I would be glad to know that the king that I love so much betrayed me. He never had to go through the grief and the heartache of having that knowledge. Now everybody around him was ugly and dirty to him. And there he was in the center being loyal and faithful and he had no idea. What's that old saying? Ignorance is bliss. (laughs) Sometimes ignorance is bliss. Amen. Because here is this man that was so loyal and so faithful, but bless God, he never had to go through the heartache. He never had to go through the grief. He never had to go through the hardships of knowing what took place. May I tell you that when he went down and he lost his life that day, it was not the worst thing. Because if he would have went home, and he learned everything that took place, that man would have gone through more heartache and more grief. And you say, well, he lost his life, friend. He went to be with Jesus. He went to be with God. It wasn't a loss for him. That was gain. But let me tell you about King David. This man, King David, a man after God's own heart, was fixing to face more grief than any man could ever imagine. This woman that had betrayed was fixing to face the grief and the heartache of losing a child. Uriah was faithful, so he didn't have to face that heartache and that grief. Child of God, you remain faithful, and God's going to bless you. You keep on serving, and He's going to get you through some things, and there's going to be a whole lot of people go through through some things that you're never going to have to because of your faithfulness. And there was David, lost that little precious little boy. And friend, that was just the beginning. He had a daughter that was raped by his son. And then his other son, Absalom, killed him. And then Absalom rose up against David. I'm talking about we just go on. King David was a great man, lived a great life. But friend, he lived a life of heartache and grief. And he fought it. And I'm telling you, he had to deal with it. Why? Because the Lord said, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Uriah didn't have to uh, to lash back out. Uriah didn't have to get even. Uriah didn't have to lose his testimony and his witness. Because, friend, what comes around goes around. And when we stand before the Lord, we stand before Him on level ground, okay? And God will always, God will always make it level ground. You say, well, He's done me wrong. You let God take care of them. You let God take care of them. Because I promise you, they're going to have to go through things you never have to go through because you're living for the Lord. If they're evil, if they're wrong, then you let God handle them. Child of God, I'm telling you, the devil wants you to hit them. The devil wants you to cuss them. The devil wants you to to be bitter. He wants you to get mad. He wants you to get angry. But God says, leave it alone. You live for me and I'll take care of that person. And let me tell you something. He took care of King David. And that man went through some grief that, praise God, Uriah never had to go through. May I tell you, it matters today if you live for the Lord. You live for God. You live for God. And I promise you that you won't have to face the grief of the wrong around us. I want you to know that God took care of David. And He'll take care of the Davids in your life. He'll take care of the people that has been evil to you and about you. Even things that you don't know about. Friend, God knows what your enemies are doing to you. God will take care of them this evening. Are you with me? God will take care of you this evening. And so here's this man that refused to give in. He refused to to give in to the pressure. And he kept on serving God. He kept on 
remaining faithful to his wife, to his king, to his God. Man, he says, love the Lord. And we ask the question, is it worth it? And the answer is, yes, it's worth it. And I want you to look with me in Matthew chapter 1. And I want you to see where it's worth it. Because here's the thing. And this is where our faithfulness counts. And this is where, at the end of the day, that it matters. Okay? Because the king never truly seen Uriah's faithfulness. He never truly seen his faithfulness because he was trying to cover up his sin. Bathsheba never could see the faithfulness because of her sin. King uh, Captain Joab could never see the faithfulness because of the orders that King David gave him. But friend, God seen the faithfulness of Uriah. And may I tell you that God sees your faithfulness. When you have nobody to stand with you, may I remind you, God is well aware of where you are. And He's standing right beside you. And when you say, Preacher, it's not worth it anymore, may I remind you, it's worth it. Because of grace, because of grief, and because of God. God will never forget your faithfulness. God will reward you. You, hey, you've been battling. You've been in the, the heat of the battle. Man, you've been warned. Remember, God knows where you are. He knows how faithful you've been. He knows how unfaithful you've been. Now, are you ready to get on shouting ground tonight? Are you ready to wake up and start shouting a little bit? Because this is good stuff right here, all right? I want you to notice this. In verse 6 of Matthew chapter 1, now this is the genealogy of our Savior Jesus Christ. These are the people who are responsible from bringing our Savior into this world. And here in verse 6, And Jesse begat David the king. We know that Jesus is the seed of King David. We know that. We understand that. It was prophesied. It was fulfilled. He will come back as king because he is of the seed of David. Now I want you to notice this. And Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. The wife of Urias. May I say that Urias is Uriah the Hittite. And what the Lord is doing here is He's bringing out Uriah the Hittite. Wait a minute, Brother Allen. Isn't he a Gentile? And he is in the genealogy of Jesus Christ? Wait a minute. <laughs> Wasn't this man a Hittite and supposed to be wiped out? And here we find him in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The king didn't realize how faithful this man was. Bathsheba didn't realize how faithful this man was, but God did. And God never forgot the faithfulness of Uriah the Hittite. He never forgot the, the faithfulness of this man when people laughed him, when people laughed at him and they scorned him, and people said, oh, this man don't even know. Let me tell you something God said. He's faithful, so I'm going to bless him. May I tell you that He never forgot His faithfulness. May I tell you, He'll never forget your faithfulness tonight. He'll never forget what you've done for Him. He'll never forget the battles that you fought. Hey, church work can be hard sometimes. Hello? It can be hard sometimes. When our brothers and sisters in Christ are supposed to be our friends, sometimes they become our enemies pretty quick. And sometimes it can be hard, and sometimes we can be treated just like Uriah the Hittite. 
May I encourage you tonight to remain faithful. Are you with me this evening? Remain faithful. Are you with me this evening? When you want to slap them silly, when you want to break the book over their head, you remain faithful to God. When you want to grab them by the neck and say, you no good, sorry, low down, hush your mouth. Don't do it. Let God take care of them. And every time you turn your cheek, God is watching you. And every time you say, God, here He is, here she is, you take them. I'm not going to mess with them, you take them. And you mess with them, and you take care of them. He's watching you, and He's counting every single time, and every single time that you remain faithful, and every time you do right, He's not going to forget it. And He's going to remember every single time. You know what He's going to do? He's going to reward us for our faithfulness. He's going to reward us. And may I tell you, He's a great rewarder tonight. May I tell you, He's a great rewarder. And there's no greater rewards than what we get from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, man. Have you ever just sat there at Walmart and just, man, I would feel good, so good to just slap this cashier. Man, it would just, it would feel so good. Come on now, I'm not the only one. <clears throat> and you're in that car. And that person that cut you, oh, it would feel so good to roll that window down and holler something out. It would. I've been there. You've been there. Oh, it would be so good to get back at them. Oh, I want to get even. Friend, don't get even. Get right. Let God take care of them. If you do, the devil wins. If you do, the devil wins. The devil wants you to lose your temper. He wants you to cuss. He wants you to slap them. God says, you hold back. You trust me. You turn the other cheek and I'll take care of them. Man, that's hard. That's hard. Are you kidding me? That person did my kid wrong. What about when they start messing with your children? It's time to get the guns out then, isn't it? Man, it's serious. Business picking up when we're talking about the kids. God said, I got them. I got them. May I remind you that God has your enemies tonight. He will take care of your enemies. He will take care of your trials. He will take care of those people that have been unloyal and unfaithful to you. You let God be God tonight. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Isn't that awesome? God took care of David. That man lived a life of heartache and grief. Bathsheba lived a life of heartache and grief. Let me tell you something. God took care of them. And He took care of Uriah. And He blessed him for his faithfulness. God's going to bless you for your faithfulness. Let's stand this evening. We're going to have a hymn of invitation. I know this evening that this sermon is a little different. I know this evening this sermon is a little different than what we normally do. You know, it wasn't the romp and stomp like we had this morning. But I find myself every day battling the devil. And I find myself every day being tempted to lose my testimony and my witness. I find myself every day in that position where I am one sentence away, I am one word away, I am one act away from losing my testimony. And may I tell you, it's not worth it tonight. It is not worth it. God has your enemy. He has your enemy.
when I went to Texas, there was a man that told me up front that he was my enemy. And he remained loyal to his word. <laughs> he remained my enemy for several years. And I prayed and I cried and I wanted to lash out and I wanted to do this and I wanted to do that, but God protected me. And God said, leave him alone. You leave him alone. And one day I got a call that this man's mother-in-law passed away about four hours away. And he come to church, but he wouldn't have anything to do with me. And I went to his mother-in-law's funeral. I drove four hours and I went to that funeral. And I had no idea how he was going to react. And I went and I sat down back there. And he come in with the family. And they sat down. He looked back. And I seen his face beat red. I thought, oh Lord, he's going to kill me right here in his mother-in-law's funeral. But I began to see tears come down his face. God got a hold of that man in that funeral service. And when, we, when the amen was said and done, he come out and he threw his arms around. First time since I've known him in two or three years, he hugged my neck. And he said, Preacher, I love you. Preacher, I'm sorry. Preacher, let's go forward. He became one of my best friends there in Texas. All because I said, God, you take care of it. God, you handle it. And oh, the devil wanted me to lose my testimony. Oh, he tempted me so bad. But I'm thankful God's bigger than the devil. I'm thankful God's got my enemies. And God knew exactly how to set him up to humble him down, to get him to the place to see the truth. But preacher, they don't see it. You let God take care of that. And God will get them to the place where they'll see it. You'll never convince them, but God can. You'll never show them, but God can. I'm going to ask you to do something tonight. This is different. This is not a normal service. But I tell you what, we got to get right with our enemies. We don't need to hate our enemies. We need to love our enemies. And there's a few in this nation, and I'm going to say political, that I, I've got some hard feelings. I've got some hard feelings toward some of our leaders. God tells me to love them and pray for them. Child of God, there's no room for hate in your heart. Do not hate anybody. Do not hate your enemy. Preacher, you have no idea what that. Do not hate your enemy. You're not hurt, hurting anybody but yourself. Can I get amen right there? You're not hurting anybody but yourself. Put them in the hands of the Lord. And you let God take care of them. Have you ever had that person that you've tried and you've tried, but you just can't get along with? Put them in God's hands. God can melt a heart a whole lot quicker than I can. God can humble men down in a way that we can never do it. You say, that's an odd sermon, preacher. I know but the Holy Spirit laid it on my heart. And I've learned this. If we can't get right with other people, we're going to have a tough time staying right with God. And we need to get right with our enemies and our hearts. And we've got to lay it down before the Lord and say, Lord, here they are. When's the last time you prayed for your enemy? When's the last time that person that's meant nothing but evil towards you, you just said, God, here they are. Save their soul. Love on them. Love on them. I had a woman one time come to me. Said, Preacher, I've been mad 40 years because of what my daddy did to me when I was a little girl. 40 years she allowed one man to ruin her life. And all that was was an enemy. And the devil was having a blast. And there she remained in this bitterness, hate. 
And I told her, I said, you need to forgive so that you can be forgiven. And I seen that woman pray and ask the Lord to take that hate away and all the freedom and liberty that came to her life. These altars are open. It's none of my business what's going on in your life. It's none of my business who you battle with, but God knows. And He knows your heart. Would you give them to Him tonight? What page, Brother Norman? Page 399. If you need to be saved this evening, would you come? If you have a public decision to make tonight, would you come? Maybe there's somebody in here you need to get right with tonight. Let's do it tonight. These altars are open. You come.